Amen. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you've had a nice holiday time and uh, are able to be with us this morning. I hope you've enjoyed your time with friends and family and maybe some a little extra relaxation time hopefully for you. Uh, I want to say I appreciate the elders and their graciousness in uh, uh, telling me just let, let the other guys cover last Sunday as we were on the road back and forth and quite a bit with uh, to Lubbock from here uh, with the uh, passing of Joyce's grandmother and so I appreciate uh, that uh, graciousness on the elders behalf very much and I very much appreciate Kenley and Matt for filling in. Don't they always do such a wonderful job? Uh, we're very blessed to hear from them. So I think it was good to hear from them anyway because they always bless us from the Word of God. And uh, it's so good to be here this morning. We're also mindful of uh, families who are uh, struggling right now and those who are suffering in different ways, going through some challenges, and people are on our hearts and, and minds in our prayers. And so we're mindful of them at this time as well, but it is good to be together kind of on these holiday times. It's always a little different, you know, people travel uh, away and travel here, and so I think they always make for special times as we gather together as the Lord's Church. When I was an executive director for a nonprofit in Abilene, I was a part of a council that met quarterly, and when we met, there was someone on the council who had a membership at the Abilene Country Club. And so that enabled our council, when we met quarterly, to have lunch meetings at the Abilene Country Club. And uh, so those lunch meetings were really, really good. I always enjoyed those. I'm not sure what the council was about. I went for, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It, it was good and meaningful, but uh, it sure was an extra uh, privilege and a nice, nice feature to be able to eat lunch uh, a few times a year out at the Country Club. I loved the jalapeno cornbread. That was always really, really good, the way they made it. Everything they made was nice. Uh, in fact, I remember one time I thought I wanted to take Joyce out to a nice restaurant, and so I knew the country club was a very nice place, and I thought, well, surely they'll, they'll want people to pay and, and, and come to the restaurant, and it's a way for them to make money, and, and you can do that and probably have to make reservations. So I called and I asked, I said, I'd like to make a reservation. I'm not a member. Is that something that uh, is allowed that you do? And the nice lady on the phone said, I'm sorry, sir. That's only for members. Only members can come eat at the restaurant. And so instead of me saying, oh, okay, uh, that's all right. She, you know, I, and getting off the phone, I, I delayed and she said, well, you know, how about you become a member? If you were to be a member of the country club, then, then you could come eat at the restaurant. And, and what I should have done is said, oh, no thanks, by click. What I did do, because I didn't want it to seem like that was impossible, so I just, I just said, oh, you don't say. Well, how much is a membership? I'm, you know, I might do that. And she said, oh, it's only... $42,500,000 a month, or something like that. It was close to that from the way it sounded to me. I'm not too sure. It sounded very close to that amount. And so uh, I just said I would think about it, 
and maybe call back later. Well, I did think about it. I thought about how I would never have any more of that jalapeno cornbread again. <laughs> so we never went back to that restaurant. But country clubs are nice places, aren't they? They're very nice. And they cater to you. There's nice facilities, nice activities to do. Uh, it's pretty. Everybody that works there is there to make your time there, your experience, really, really great. I mean, you're the paying member. They want it to be perfect for you. They go above and beyond to make every detail nice. It's like being at a resort. And, and, and from activities to relaxation, to all the accommodations and the food, they are good experiences. That's what they're designed to do, to cater to the members. Nothing wrong with that. That's what they uh, exist to do. But is the church supposed to be like a country club? Is the church supposed to be like that? Does the church exist to be in, like a country club and do the things that a country club does? Is it supposed to be a special club that caters to its members who pay? Is it supposed to aim to please people in every way and make them feel uh, at ease and comfortable and happy and uh, do foot massages and, and manicures and pedicures? Is it supposed to do all of that? Well, we know that, that the church is not supposed to is not a country club it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for a church to try to cater to folks in the same way but if we're not careful sometimes our mentality our, our human nature that fallen nature can kind of want that and if we're not careful sometimes we can slip into uh, doing that I mean imagine if a church was like a country club and we could have all the perks of membership and still leave feeling right with God awesome right Man, that'd be perfect, perfect situation. But that wouldn't go well for outsiders, would it? It wouldn't go well for them because while they might be able to visit sometimes on a rare occasion with a member inviting them and, and get a little bit of a taste of it, they would still be on the outside. And, and they would only be able to hear about the worship and hear about the fellowship and hear about the banana pudding and hear about the activities that take place and hear about the blessings of God and being able to be a part of the Lord's church. But they could not participate in it. They couldn't be a part of it. If the church was a country club, that's how it would be. But we know it can't work that way if it's going to be the church. That makes sense to us. We know that that's not who we are and what we're supposed to be. But like I said, it can be easy to drift into that mentality uh, either way, kind of as a consumer, as a member, and as a church to try to cater what's going to make people happy, what's going to attract the crowds, what's going to get people involved. And so both, both sides, if you will, have to be aware of that. When we think of the church as a country club, if we think of that it should be that way, then we're going to be dissatisfied pretty quickly. And here are some ways that you can become dissatisfied with church if you think that a church should be a country club. One thing you'll do is you won't participate, you'll consume. That's a different perspective. It, I, I want to I participate in the things that make me happy that I have time for, that, that, that uh, entertain me, that I want to do, that I deem worthy. I want to consume those things instead of being actively engaged participant. And another thing is that we can believe that it's all about 
us individually and that even the the worship and the messages should be what we want and what makes us happy and what uh, makes us feel good instead of what God wants. And worship can very quickly become self-centered instead of God-centered. It can be about, well, here's what I want to do in worship. Here's the way I want to do worship. Here's what I think we should do. I like doing this. I prefer this. And so, therefore, that's what we ought to do. And we look for messages that help us uh, feel good about living our best life now. Instead of being centered on God and worshiping Him and being followers of Christ. Another thing we can do as far as becoming dissatisfied with church, if we slip into that country club mindset, is then it is easy to criticize things we don't like. See, when you're an active participant and when your worship and your involvement is God-centered and other-centered, then then criticism is is different. When I'm a consumer and I'm a paid member and and it's there to cater to me, man, I I, I can... find fault real quick. I can, I can criticize real quick. And the more critical we are, then uh, the less satisfied we're going to be with church. Another thing is, is don't spend time with each other outside of church. You see, the more time we spend with one another, the more we get to know each other, the more we grow to love one another the closer we get to one another. And, and, and we, we, we began to overlook some of the uh, you know, differences that we might have and the, the things, the pr- different kinds of preferences that aren't doctrinal. And, and we g- began to love one another more. And love covers over a multitude of sins. And it allows us to have the kind of Christian fellowship that God would have us to have. And so spending time outside of the assembly time together is important. See, a lot of times members in a paid country club, they'd show up and they can play golf there, they can do all kinds of things there, but they may or may not spend time together outside. But for the church to be the church and for me to be an active participant in the church, an integrated part of the body of Christ, I need to spend time with people and not just slip in and slip out. I need to get to know others and, and be known by others. That's how I get involved in the church. And finally, we, we can be upset when we discover that people in the church are imperfect. You know, we can be upset if we're paying high dollar at a country club and they don't keep our tea glass filled or the pool was, the water was too cold or there weren't enough towels or, uh, you know, the, the tennis courts weren't open for me and the racquetball court uh, uh, isn't, isn't available today. I can be upset about that. But in the church, when we're a part of the church and we don't have a country club mentality, then, then, then uh, we can, we're not as critical of one another. And we're not upset when we find that people are less than perfect because we realize then, I'm not so perfect either. So instead of seeing the church as a country club, we need to understand that the church is a gift. The church is a literal gift from God. Now, think about this. How do we treat gifts? Maybe you got some gifts for Christmas. Did anybody get a gift for Christmas? And, 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 and maybe some of those are ones that you're wondering, what am I going to do with this? Maybe you're wondering, what is this? But some of those gifts are really, really special to you. 
Maybe it was free and homemade. Maybe it cost $5. Maybe it cost $500, whatever it is. But that gift is special to you. What do you do with a special gift? You treat it right, don't you? You take care of it. You treasure it. You take pride in it. You, you look after it. You enjoy it. And you use it for what it was used for. And you find joy in that gift. Let's look at some scriptures about that. Because being saved and added to the Lord's church is literally a gift from God. Look at Ephesians 2.8. Paul writes, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the what? The gift of God. Salvation and his church is a gift from God. Look at Romans 3.23-24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a what? Gift. He gives that to us through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation in the Lord's church, forgiveness and justification, a right relationship with God is a free gift that God gives us. How do we treat special gifts? That tells us how we ought to treat the church. And we don't approach it with a country club mentality, but a gift to be treasured and enjoyed and uh, actively participated in. When you're added to the church, that's a gift from God, and that gift comes with an identity and a mission. And let's look look and see how Peter described the church on our next slide in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verses 9 through 10. Being added to the church, that gift of salvation in the church comes with an identity and a mission. And Peter writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at verse 10. For you were once not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Did you know that Peter is quoting here from Exodus 19, 5 through 6? So turn over there and let's look at that. Do you know what's happening in Exodus chapter 19? God has called the Israelites to assemble at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Do you remember that? In Acts 19, God calls Moses up so that he can meet with him and talk with him. And the people are down below assembled, and they're, they're waiting and watching to see what God is up to. Look at Exodus 19, 1 through 3. On the third moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. Then God told Moses uh, to repeat these words. He gives them some words to repeat and give to The Israelites. In verses 5 through 6, this is what God told Moses to tell the Israelites. Now, therefore, if you will indeed uh, obey my voice and keep my covenant, 
You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now this is taking place about seven weeks after the exodus, after the Israelites escaped uh, uh, slavery in Egypt and Pharaoh. This is about seven weeks after that when God has them assembled down there below the mountain and Moses is up there. And this is when God has gathered them to start, start his covenant with them. And that's what he's communicating to Moses. And out of this, this time up there with God will come the Ten Commandments and a lot of other things that the rest of the book of Exodus uh, goes into detail about. And God is, is giving instructions for how his people are to be in covenant with him. And, and he's telling them this before he has even given the details. He said, I want you to be my people, my treasured possession, kingdom of priesthood, my, my royal priesthood, my holy nation. If they would only follow him, that would be their blessing. And so when Peter quotes this passage, he is connecting the New Testament church to the people of Israel at the bottom of Mount Sinai that day. He's connecting those two moments together. And he's saying that the New Testament church inherits the same privileges and the same blessings and the same relationship with God that the Israelites did back then in Exodus 19 under this covenant that God made with them. And, he and, and, and what he's telling us here, what we see here, is a prototype or a foreshadowing of the Lord's church that we know today. That's what, that, that's what God was doing there. Look at Acts chapter 7. Stephen actually tells us this in Acts chapter 7. Now, in chapter 6, remember some widows were being overlooked. They appointed deacons to take care of some needs that, that were uh, needed to be taken care of among the widows. And uh, Stephen is one of those who is appointed. And then not only is Stephen just doing his, 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 his task that he's assigned to, but we also see that Stephen goes about preaching and teaching about Jesus, and they also were gifted with being able to do miracles and heal. And so Stephen is not just doing his task in the Lord's church. He's still telling others about Christ. And, 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 the, and the, some people didn't like that. They seize him and bring him before the high priest. And so uh, while he's talking about the high priest, he's telling the high priest the story of God from, from the Israelites all the way to now and proclaiming Christ. Now look at what he says in verse 38. He's talking about the time when the Israelites were assembled in Exodus 19 at the bottom of Mount Sinai and Moses was up there meeting with God. And in verse 38, uh, Stephen says, this is the one, talking about Moses whom God had appointed, this is the one who was in the what? Congregation who is in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers, he received living oracles to give to us. Stephen is trying to communicate this to these Jewish leaders. And Stephen refers to the Israelites as a congregation back there in those days. That Greek word that he uses there is ekklesia. That's where we get our word church, assembly, congregation, the called out. 
And, and, and Stephen is saying that was God's people back then, and he makes the connection in his speech to the high priest about through Christ God's people today, and that is his church. I think that's pretty amazing that we see God's people endure through all of that and God's plan revealed. So Stephen is saying that when the Israelites were assembled together, they were God's people together, and that's the church who we are today, God's congregation. Now Peter, uh, in, his, in, in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, tells us why we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And, so, and why are we a people for his own possession? Why are we a holy nation? If we ask that question, then Peter gives us the answer. And what is it that he says? That. Do you see that in the passage? Do you see that in your Bible? He says, you are these things that. Now, why did he say that? What is he telling them? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, God's people are supposed to tell others about him. That's what Peter's saying. And, and, and that's why he made you his people, so that you can tell others about him and there can be more of God's people. You can bring them into that congregation, that ecclesia, that group of God's people. Now, that word excellencies that, that Peter uses means virtues, and he uses that in other places too. And it means uh, uh, God's virtue, God's goodness, God's uh, gracious act, uh, the fullness of his character, all of who God is, his excellencies. And Peter is saying that the church is to tell people of all of the goodness and excellencies and virtues and character of God. We're supposed to tell that to others. Why? Because he called us out of darkness and into his light. And that's our message that we're supposed to share. Now, in 2 Peter 1.3, he says a similar thing. And this is our Wednesday Devo theme that we're using. But look at 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge, look at this. Of him who called us, this sounds very similar to the other passage, who called us to his own glory and excellence. Do you see that? God calls us by his excellence, by his goodness, by his virtues, by his good and wonderful character, and into the light of his excellence, goodness, virtue, and wonderful character. It is who he is that calls us to come be with who he is, to be with him. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son because he wants a relationship with us. He wants us in his assembly, in his ecclesia, his congregation, to be among his people. And our mission is to tell others about the wonderful God that we serve. So you see, there's not much value in a church that acts as a country club. There's not much value in a church that, who sees itself as there to cater to one another and insiders. Why? Because it cannot be the church if it does that. It simply is a civic organization or another country club. It exists to proclaim the goodness of the one who called people into that congregation. 
See, you can't, you can't reach into your purse or into your wallet and pay for membership in this group. You can't, you can't get your checkbook out and write a check big enough to be a member of the Lord's church. It doesn't work like that. In fact, that's the point we have to understand that you can't do it and you don't deserve to be in it. But because of his love and his excellencies and his mercies and his graciousness and all of his good character, he wrote the check for us and paid the price for our membership to be in this group. And he wrote that check for anyone, it's a whosoever will, invitation. And that's why we're so thankful that he wrote that check for us. And that's why we proclaim and want to tell people, look, the check's been written, free membership, come to Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. Jesus paid for our membership into the people of God. You see, these, look at these different verses. The Bible says we're purchased with the blood of Christ. We have redemption through his blood. We've been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. Uh, Jesus sacrificed uh, us through his, sanctified us through his blood. We are freed from our sins by his blood. He paid the debt. He paid the membership for us. When Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant, they were betrothed. And in their culture, it's different than it was today. They were betrothed and they were considered married, but not like fully married. And so they, uh, they could not uh, you know, do everything married couples can do, but there was still a commitment to complete the marriage. And so when Joseph finds out Mary is pregnant, he thinks because he's a respectable person and he loves Mary, he's going to... The Bible says, depending on your translation, says he's going to divorce her quietly because it would have been a divorce even though the marriage wasn't complete in, in their system that they had. He's going to do that quietly out of respect for her. And so then an angel came to Joseph. You remember what he said? He said, Joseph, do not fear, but take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Look at what Matthew says. For he will save his people from their sins. The baby hadn't even been born. And, and God tells Joseph what this baby's going to do one day. Why this baby's coming, and why you need to stay with Mary. And see this through because this baby is going to save his people from their sins. When the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field after Jesus was born, the angels said to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, we come together to worship the God who sent his Son to save us from our sins. Because of his love and his goodness and his excellencies and his character, he wanted us with him. And he said, I, I will do whatever it takes for them to be with me. So much so, I'll sacrifice my son for them. Because that's the only way to pay their membership into this group. And because, because we understand that, like when that clicks 
not in our mind, but like in Acts 2.38, when it pr- is pricked and our, our hearts are pricked, it clicks in here. When we get it in here, not just up here, then we do like Peter said, and we proclaim his excellencies to others. Do you see that? If we can help you this morning in any way, if we can serve you, pray for you, encourage you, Maybe you want to study, maybe you have questions about who Jesus is and what does this mean and what do I do in response to this? Or maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism and become a Christian, a member of the Lord's church. If there's any way we can serve you this morning, we want you to know we're always here for you. If you're watching with us online, we love you very much. We haven't forgotten about you. Reach out to us if you need us to serve you in any way. If we can help you this morning, we invite you to come as we